Welcome to the Hub Crawl, a roundtable podcast discussing all things Disney. As always, I'm the only host you've ever had for the show, Dan. And I'm a new host, Eric. Each episode, we invite two guests to bring a question and talk about one of our favorite things, Disney. This week, we want to welcome David. He's a co-host of the newest podcast on the Ears Up Podcast Network, PunyPod, which is a Marvel movie rewatch podcast. He's also a producer on the Supreme Resort podcast and has written three books about the jumping jellyfish ride at Disneyland. Welcome, David. Uh, you know what? I should clarify. I've I've written it three times. I've not written three books. I'm sorry. That was a typo. My bad. Oh, okay. Understandable. <laughs> Common mistake. Thank you for having me. All right. Also joining us this week, he's the co-host of PunyPod, a Marvel podcast. He wrote less about this podcast than his partner did. Substitute co-host extraordinaire. Uh, he, you've heard him on this podcast before. Uh, apparently, he's a Genie Plus expert um, after uh, an appearance on the Ears Up podcast. He once appeared on ESPN in a green Iron Man costume. Let's hope that he explains himself. Ryan. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. Yeah, no explanation coming. I, I'm okay. just gonna leave, leave you leave you hanging. No, look up uh, Iron Ram if if you're curious. Look up Iron Ram. He's from Colorado, folks. Well, thank you both for joining us. Obviously, we have a, a stand-in host today. What? Yeah. What? Huh? Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, Teg's Teg's uh, still on that vacation. I was I was I was assuming something different. You will be hearing from my lawyers. Oh well, <laughs> uh, assuming. Assuming Dan's lawyers find out that this show doesn't have any money, they'll move on. So, Dan, kick us yes. off with your first question. Well, if I must. My question for all of you out there in uh, co-host guest land, that was, that was a bad landing and it was a bad beginning. I'm sorry, listener. My question is, what is your most unhinged yet completely sincere opinion related to Disney parks? And let's start with David. My first short answer is that turkey legs are awful, but I have a longer answer. And that the longer answer is basically if you take, and I'm speaking specifically around Disneyland parks, if you remove the lore and the history and the Walt touched it, I actually, as an adult, prefer DCA to Disneyland. I th and this is putting aside the fact that you can freely buy alcohol. There are Better dining selections overall. There's better scenic dining spot. Lamplight versus Blue. I like Lamplight more than Blue Bayou. Mm -hmm. There are better thrill rides. So you have Incredicoaster. You have Guardians versus Space and Big Thunder. You have better shooting rides. You actually have a splash ride now. More. You have twice as many, many single rider lines. So Incredicoaster and Radiator and Grizzly and Web Slingers and Soren and Goofies. I know that the park started off a hot mess and it's still a little bit in theming ling lingo, uh, a limbo, I should say. I do think it'll be eventually be just Disneyland adventure and they'll drop the California part, but there's less wasted space. There's no, you know, weird plywood cutouts. There's no creepy dolls. And, you know, if, if to be honest, if I've got, you know, four hours and I want to, I, if I had to pick a park, I would pick DCI. And how can people communicate their angry opinion with you about this? You can call me at 1-800-CONCIERS <laughs> and ask for Jimmy. Oh, I, he you know, still I, doesn't know our number after all this time. 876-R-EARS. 856. Damn. Sorry, I was close. <laughs> I just text you guys if I need uh, reservations. But, um, this is true. No, I'm not. I mean, I think a, a case can be made depending upon the, the things that you argue. You know, you can't really argue with 
the grand history of Disneyland. When I go to the park, I always start at Disneyland. And, you know, especially when I go with family, our favorite, some of our very favorite rides are there. But DCA, I think, is a little underrated. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. A little. And yet you say it's better. Okay. <laughs> I like DCA. <laughs> I like DCA. Hey, like, I like DCA too. I think it's rated. <laughs> that's it Just how about you rated how about you eric what is what is your hot take what is your unhinged hot take walt disney world is amazing and better in every way than disneyland except buses boo, don't ride boo, a bus boo, boo this man all right thanks oh, hey great episode guys take care thanks for joining us for this episode and only this episode eric i'm gonna take over my uh, podcast again i'm gonna uh, go cancel my patreon <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no why do you feel that way eric seriously i, I mean somebody's gotta some somebody's got to defend this you're all disneyland folks here although ryan's been ryan's been to Walt disney world a few times david has never been dan has experienced it although he might not remember certain parts of it i've gone <laughs> recently enough yeah. i don't remember the last parts of the most recent <laughs> booze cruise but that's a given uh, yeah, that's that's how it goes. But yeah, I mean, Walt Disney World is is the world's vacation destination. Jimmy likes to Jimmy on our show, the Supreme Resort likes to say that Disneyland gives you a hug and Walt Disney World consumes you. Some some paraphrasing of yeah, like Tony I think Baxter. it's Disneyland embraces you. Embraces you, okay. And but, and Disney World devours you, I think is what it says. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it does, but it's it's the vacation destination for the entire world. People come from everywhere to go there. And it's it's so interesting. You you go to Walt Disney World and it's this l- weird little spot that created Central Florida. Like Orlando was nothing. It was cow pasture and swamps. And here it is, this enigma, this giant destination that millions of people go to every year and they have a great time. And sometimes they get really stressed out and they get really hot. And we all joke about how hot it is at Walt Disney world, but we still go many people dislike the governor and we (laughs) still go. (laughs) I mean, what are you talking about? He's immune from dislike. (laughs) I mean, Pride still happened. Like they, they said, no, we're going to, we're still going to do this. I'm sure it was a little less attended. I don't recall seeing a whole lot about the after effects, but a lot of people were very worried to go because of the state of the state, but they still go because it's this entertainment Mecca to, I don't, I shouldn't compare it to a religious destination necessarily, but I, I mean, it's, it's a giant place designed to, get you in, get you to pay money for things, get you to enjoy things. And if you're only there for a couple days, you're missing out on so much. Everybody stays there way longer. You want to, if you're only there doing one park in one day, you're there for four days. You go, Oh man, I missed out on so much. There's there. Did you know there are two water parks? We didn't go to those. I wanted to go back to the magic kingdom. Yeah. It's in some ways smaller than Disneyland. There's less to do in that one park, but you still want to go back. You still want to experience things. There are things you didn't do before. So many places to dine. David brought it up for DCA. It's one of the reasons I really love DCA is because there is better food and there's food everywhere. Every single park has a top notch dining destination or more than one. 
Disney Springs is massive and you could spend days just at Disney Springs. My family has gone back when it was downtown Disney. My family went on, on a trip where we, we went to, I believe magic kingdom one day, Epcot one day, and we were there for a week. We just stayed near downtown Disney and we walked over there and for free, we got to buy things and go to restaurants, (laughs) but I mean, it was it was still a satisfying Disney trip for us. It, it scratched that itch where we didn't have enough cash to go to the parks all the time or stay at a Disney resort hotel. And you've got so many options. You can stay at a regular, quote, regular hotel. You can stay at a Hilton near the property. You can stay at many different Disney hotels that are themed or more themed or less themed. It's it's everything. It has something for everybody, and that's that's what it's designed for, and it works. Yeah, I think uh, comparing resort versus resort, I feel like Disney World wins, and, and part of that size, right? Strictly, they have two extra parks in addition to what the Disneyland Resort has. You might have a harder time selling me on park versus park for like Castle Park versus Castle Park or mm-hmm. Hollywood Park versus Hollywood Park. But I've always said Epcot's my favorite Disney park, like domestic Disney park, even though I'm a Disneyland guy. I like the resort. I like the Disneyland resort, but Epcot's like really cool. (laughs) I think I think pound for pound Disneyland is it's no contest for me. However, if you have two weeks and a lot of money and a lot of people and you're like, I want to do Disney stuff for this two weeks or a week and a half, then if you started to head towards Disneyland, I would wonder what was wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say you're going to get real bored after three, three or four days, you're going to run out of stuff to do. Yeah. Three or four days is, is plenty for Disneyland. What kind of trip do you want to do? Do you want to invest time and money? Great. Disney world. Right. Yeah. I have a, I have a close friend who, they're planning a week long trip to Disneyland and everything they're doing about it is because they're Disney world centric. They have to stay in a Disney property hotel. And literally I was like talking to them and they were like, they told me we have a little kid. We don't want to deal with having to drive to the parks. I was like, Disneyland, you don't have to, even if you stay off property. Right. Right. And so, so yeah, I think with the, the Disney world mentality is a, is a true vacation. It's not just a weekend. You pop out, to go do a thing it's it is a vacation destination which if that's your jam i can see why that's better yeah if you're if you're doing disneyland a disneyland centered trip for more than three days you better have a pass to knots or something like you know there's you you need something else to do other than that oh we like the pools we got a we got a cabana at grand californian cool great yeah yeah no, I, I think as a comprehensive vacation entity, I think <laughs> it goes without question that Disney World I mean, that's what Disney World is, right? It's like let's yeah. let's come up with this idea of vacation and throw a bunch of money and effort and creativity at it. And here's what we have. My hunch I I guess what, ru- what what made it interesting for me was I went in one time 
with zero plan, zero preparation. And it, I was just, Hey, I'm just going to go to go to the parks for a day or two. And it was miserable because there was, if you don't go in with a map of like the, 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 the zone where they, the, I would try to make a war joke here. <laughs> the DMZ. Yeah. Thank you. If you, if you don't have a, a map of the DMZ and you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. You're just going to go on spaceship earth the whole day. <laughs> and that is dark to be in the middle of this place that is this wonderful vacation, blah, blah, blah. By the time you recognize that, okay, it's a wash on the parks. I may as well just go watch people on the water slide that paid for it while drinking fancy <laughs> drinks, which is a fine thing to do. But by the time you get there, it's just, it's such, it's just this dark thing where it's like, Ah, oh, I failed at this thing that should be <laughs> the easiest thing. But in fact, it's not the easiest thing. It's actually very hard. This is true. Where Disneyland, it's like, but to be perfectly honest, I think it's just, it's just what you know, you know? Yeah. So Eric, it's your opinion that Haunted Mansion is better at Disney World, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. No hesitation. <laughs> right, folks? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's two hot takes from me. That might be too hot. We might have to toss it over to Ryan too to hot. take the hotness. All right, let's see. Let's see if I can uh, alleviate some of this hotness off your shoulders here. <laughs> so my hot take, my unhinged opinion that I sincerely hold is: Wait, Are you saying I don't sincerely hold these? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I absolutely love the Autopia. I love Star Tours. I love Tomorrowland as a whole in its current iteration. I definitely think there were better versions of it in the past. I definitely think there are ways to make it better. There's better things to do than its current iteration, but that does not like take away from the appreciation that I have for what it is right now. Mm-hmm. I like the submarine ride. I did not. I have not ridden it post COVID, so I might have, I have. different feels. <laughs> I licked that that window. Yeah, I do love. You know, the Autopia is. It's fun. It's cheesy. I think there's like a nostalgia factor there because it's obviously tied to that memory of like, oh, I'm gonna get my Autopia driver's license because I'm a kid and I'm gonna do the thing. I love Star Tours. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And like, I obsessively ask different members of my party if we go separately, you know, what, what scenes did you get? Figuring that out. That's really fun for me trying to write it multiple times in a, in a trip so I can try and get different scenes is really, really fun for me. I do think that there is a solution where you tunnel from somehow from Star Tours into Batu and, that that's your entrance into Batu. <laughs> that's 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 going to be expensive. Yeah, that's <laughs> to Disneyland. Eh? I mean, but I do think there's there's a lot in Tomorrowland that's really awesome. I wish we had our people mover back in Disneyland. I think Disney World's Tomorrowland is also really cool. Maybe it's not so insane, but man, I love it. Well, I'm just curious <laughs> which you prefer between. The empty Magic Eye Theater, the people mover track with a bunch of leaves on it, or the broken <laughs> down sculpture on top of the people mover. Yeah, and that, and again, that's that's the dark side. Is like you 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 are looking at 
what was there or what could be there. And you are faced with that reality of like, why don't they do something with the people on the track? <laughs> What's your, um, Eric, serious question. What's your favorite bad restaurant there? <laughs> At where? In Tomorrowland. Because they're both. Oh, as the food person. They're terrible. Yeah. I, I, think I, was oh, I was I was getting confused. I'm like, no, no, that's Ryan. <laughs> Ryan was talking. Dave. Sorry. <laughs> Ryan was talking. So you you really mean me. Okay. He really likes me. All right. This is good. My favorite bad restaurant in Tomorrowland. Oh, the, in Disneyland. I mean, there's the Tomorrow. I mean, Tomorrowland Terrace at least has. Wait, what's the other? What's the other restaurant? They have a good Alien pop- Pizza Planet. Pizza. They've got a oh, good, oh, good popcorn. Gosh, that's right. Their popcorn's good. Oh, oh man! Alien Had- Pizza Planet did once upon a time have a pasta called the Forest Moon of Endor, and as a big Ewok fan, I have I was to give gonna them credit say- for that. I've had decent pasta there. Not great pasta, decent pasta. Better than I've the pizza. I've heard the pasta is passable there. The pizza's terrible. The pasta is not bad. I think we yeah, need it at the, the salads are actually okay and yeah. some of the desserts are all like the, the little cakes. Those are pretty good. I got to say for the Galactic Grill formerly known as Tomorrowland Terrace, there <laughs> I enjoy saying this but it's true. They have a breakfast burrito that's yep. out of this world. That's what I heard. Um, <laughs> hey. Hey. There's seasonal things that they get there are also Yeah, good yeah, usually. they have yeah. fun wacky seasonal stuff that like is occasionally insane, but then they have like <laughs> stuff like Darth by chocolate that's like this chocolate parfait, and I guess it's I don't know. Shaped Plus, like Darth Vader's burned head or something. <laughs> <laughs> As the like weird super nerds that we are. Plus, you're sitting under that great mural when you're over there at Galactic Grill, and you Ryan, get to look at the stage that uh, that might go up and down. <laughs> Ryan, where, where does it rank, like of the lands in Disneyland? Honestly, where, is it in the top third, middle third, bottom third? <laughs> Borrowing from our own show concept, real good. Wait, do I you guys have a show. I would say mid third or top third, top third. Whoa. For me, because Galaxy's Edge is number one in Disneyland for me. I uh, I am on wax with how obsessed with that I am. I would say New Orleans Square number two. And then probably Tomorrowland. I'm not a big Fantasyland guy. I like some of Fantasyland, but it's just not my jam now. Being a new father, I'm getting a little bit more into Fantasyland. Adventureland is probably also potentially in that top third somewhere. You can't have five lands. I know. In the top no, 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 no. I'm not lands, saying it. Man. I'm not it's saying just, it is. I'm saying like they, they kind of fluctuate. He's yeah. counting the Alice Land and yeah, he's counting exactly. the Matterhorn as, as Swiss Land. Tom Sawyer Island, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I guess top third is only two, huh? It's only really two. So maybe, maybe mid third. But it's it is up there. Tomorrowland is up there. And I think in this conversation, we also unlock some nostalgies for me. When I was a young kid, they still had the Radio Disney booth at Tomorrowland. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And my parents were the parents who only played Radio Disney in the car. That was all we were allowed to listen to when we were in the car. And so I was like obsessed with Radio Disney as a as a child. 
And so when we went to Disneyland, my parents reaped what they sowed, and we definitely spent like an hour standing outside that DJ booth watching whatever show it was that they, <laughs> that they aired from that. Because I was like, I listen to those guys. I know who those guys are. And I was like, yep, we're standing here and we're, we're right. listening to radio live. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like Tomorrowland is a source of a lot of like good memories and nostalgia and joy. And I think that that might be clouding your decision about that awful land. (laughs) Hey, very, very true. And and I think that is what creates unhinged, (laughs) sincerely held opinions. I get it. Yeah. uh, The point, right? I don't have no idea what what it's like to have any of those. (laughs) Well, Dan, tell us what your, your unhinged, sincerely held opinion is. Okay. I saw your answer and I thought, well, here's one that I can use. And it's not even that, like, it doesn't seem unhinged, but I think what I need to communicate is how, how thoroughly (laughs) I hold this view. And it is that Tomorrowland, now that Galaxy's Edge is open, should have zero Star Wars anything. I mean, not a peep of Star Wars. And... I again, I understand this isn't necessarily just oh, yeah, sure, that's a totally right. What I'm telling you is that I become an unreasonable person when it comes to anything (laughs) Star Wars coming into Tomorrowland. I yell, I scream. (laughs) Uh, Every year when they do the Space Mountain, uh, Hyperspace Mountain, I will refuse to go on the ride because it should not be there. And (laughs) Star Tours, I'll, I'll give it, I give it a conceptually like in terms of like it's a good ride so i'm not gonna like not go on it however it shouldn't be there i don't i no star no no star wars stuff anywhere in tomorrowland ever and that's i I have like i hold like a sharia firm opinion on this what's funny dan is i actually kind of agree with you i think if you move star tour somewhere else right and bring back adventures through inner space mm-hmm Move Ant-Man. Museum the Ride someplace else and oh, well, Launch Bay. <laughs> museum, well, Museum the Ride could be another attraction. Like yeah. We kind of talked it, about it, before. Even right. bring it back to its original, right? I love the Carousel of Progress. Sure. That, that is, I literally am very close to getting a tattoo of Uncle Orville's His foot bathtub. Sticking out of the bathtub. Yeah. I love the Carousel of Progress, and so to replace Museum the Ride with Carousel of Progress again would be great. Or I really think that they could... uh, Disney made a huge mistake by opening Alien Encounter in Florida first. It Mm should have opened in California first because it would have been... I mean, it was kind of a hit in Florida, I guess. It was like a, I guess it was like a more of a cult hit than anything. Yeah, if you're the right age, you're right. Like, yeah, that was the best. Open it at Disneyland, it would still be open today. And I've said this on several different episodes of this podcast, which I've been on from the beginning, and the other one as well. And I think that you could retrofit that Carousel Theater to be yeah. Alien Encounter, which we should have had. Yeah. The end. Period. And take take the rails out of no sorry we're just talking about star wars not fit not tomorrowland anymore i mean there's so much to do with tomorrowland i think yeah. you know blow it up and just keep space mountain build something new but you know whatever that's just me so yeah remove all the star wars stuff from tomorrowland and while we're at it burn down the columbia does does that mean you have to fire in in your opinion of no star wars ever 
do you have to fire the manager of star traders who was one of the Ewoks in return of the Jedi? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Strong opinion. Just scorched earth policy. I like it. Yes. Well, and I, I, I honestly, in order, and this is an example of how, how strongly I feel about this. Yeah. I will ride star tours because it's still there. However, if they said we're going to close down star tours because we have gotten this letter from this person in San Diego and we, <laughs> we agree with what he's saying. We should have no star Wars anywhere. We don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be an empty building for maybe a decade. I'd be like, okay, that's worth it. Thank you. Would you go on star tours? If it was Hollywood limo, limo tours and they rethemed it to the original ride. Mm. Oh, you mean if it was superstar, like superstar, superstar limo? limo? Yeah, yes, 100%. I would wonder why it was in Tomorrowland, but I that would be just so such a baffling move. Now, here's a here's a real question. <laughs> would it be acceptable for other IPs that don't have or that have their own land elsewhere on the like elsewhere on the resort mm-hmm. to move <laughs> into that land? Um, for example, yeah. There is a Star Tour, same same ride vehicles and everything, Star Tours style attraction that is an Iron Man experience in Hong Kong. Okay, so I think, first of all, I need to address that what I just uncovered in my own mind, which is it's not about, it's not necessarily about Tomorrowland being purely Tomorrowland, which I would love because tomorrow, but Tomorrowland's a mess. Sorry, Ryan, Tomorrowland's a mess. It's more about like, well, you open the Star Wars land mm-hmm. up there that has two attractions and is very cool. Why not just put the stuff up there, right? Have more to do in this place. It's less about Tomorrowland purity because it's harder to get there, but that is a touch of it. Now, answering your question, I believe that when they say that these are two separate parks, we need to take their word for it. Okay. So me being butthurt about having an Iron Man ride would be, I mean, we have a Buzz Lightyear ride and Pixar Pier, you know, so like that I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't love it. You know, I think that I I would love to see more original, but we're past that. We've passed that point, right? (laughs) That ship is sailed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do think that. There is a possibility, as as I've said before, that we could have an Ant-Man ride that brings back adventure through inner space in its own way. Yeah. In Tomorrowland, you got all your bases covered. And for more of that, you could listen to the Supreme Resort and the local podcast feed. Well, and realistically, the cool the cool thing with either Iron Man or Ant-Man going in there is they have the World's Fair vibes. And so you could right. take Tomorrowland back to its World's Fair vibes and... I think that's that's in some ways fixing Tomorrowland. What's weird about Tomorrowland is the the more you fix it in the right direction, the more it becomes weird until you fix everything. Like Buzz Lightyear, you yeah. know, why is that there? You know, and then eventually it'll become why is the rocket jets in basically in Main Street? You know, like it's <laughs> it's they they really screwed that land. They did. It's it. it, it it's been in a directionless land for a long time. And I, like I say, I loved it. I love right. it, but it, it is directionless and it does take a special kind of strange to enjoy it the way I do. I think. <laughs> right. And you know, burn down the Columbia. Uh, well, that wraps up for our, our first question. Now we go to David for his question. 
One down, three to go. So strap in, folks. All right. So we are all, I think it is safe to say, that we are all adult fans of the Disney parks. So I want each of you to describe your ideal solo trip to a Disney park. It doesn't have to be Disneyland. It could be whatever Disney park you, you want to envision. But where do you start? What's your first ride? What food must you eat? Describe your ideal day. And so with that, let's toss that. Let's, Eric, what is your ideal day? David, I'm just going to own up to the, the title that you were unwilling to bestow upon me. I'm a Disney adult. I mean, I've even said it on another podcast that I like playing Dreamlight Valley because I get Take to see back. all of my friends. But yes, I'm a Disney adult. I'm I'm okay with that. So here's my ideal solo trip to a Disney park. It's interesting. I'm looking at this and, um, well, I guess I'm going, I'm going alone to Walt Disney World in a few months, but it's not my ideal because there's other stuff that I'm going for. So we'll just stick with what I wrote here. My ideal would be to wake up at the Polynesian, preferably in one of the bungalows on the lake. But, I, you know, I'd settle for anything as long as I can walk into the Grand Ceremonial House and have breakfast at the Kona Cafe. And uh, you know what? After I'm done with that breakfast at the Kona Cafe, I'm going to stop at the Tambu Lounge just on the other side and have a few drinks because they open at 1030 in the morning. I'll take a monorail over to the Magic Kingdom where I will ride on the Haunted Mansion and the Liberty Bell. Then I'm going to take a monorail to Epcot. That's right. I'm going to leave after doing two attractions. Head down to Epcot. Maybe I'll stop at Trader Sam's on the way if I've wasted enough time and they're open. They, they open kind of late these days, so that might not work. I might have to stop back at Tambu Lounge again. Head to Takumi Tei with all of the trimmings. That's the multi-course dining experience at the Japan Pavilion. I've been there once, and it was mostly phenomenal. Really great stuff. And uh, then, uh, because I'll probably be fairly tipsy, uh, we'll head on Spaceship Earth, where because I am tipsy, I will likely cry. That is my ideal Walt Disney World. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Solo trip. Uh, I don't think I need to explain anything else. Ryan. Well, we might run into each other because <laughs> genuinely Epcot would be my my choice of park. I think I would probably stay at the yacht or beach club kind of on the the international gateway side so i can mm -hmm. wake up and take my leisurely stroll into the park i would definitely enjoy some adult festivities around the world showcase drinking my way around there i would want to go during a festival i could i can't pick which festival it is and also it's almost impossible not to be there during a festival at this point i think there's like three weeks out of the year that aren't a festival at this point <laughs> one of the festivals uh, and the festival booths are just very enjoyable i am the deep kind of nerd who would go into every film in every pavilion mm. <laughs> and enjoy every film at some point i would make my way over into world discovery and enjoy living with the land and maybe take the touring the land tour if we're if we're talking ideal situation i don't know how much time i have used up as far as my day since i'm flying solo not riding any rides i probably have plenty of time to 
stop in at the seas and in, enjoy some time in the seas and check out the second largest aquarium in the nation. Oh, it's still the second. Okay. I believe it's the second. I think, what is it? Georgia's the first? Georgia's yeah. aquarium? Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy that. Uh, enjoy Spaceship Earth. Enjoy kind of all that that area. And then kind of end my night tooling back around World Showcase. And really, my food would come from the booths. The The booths are where it's at. The, the festival booths have really cool food, really unique food that, that you don't get really anywhere else. That that would kind of be my day. Lots of walking, which that's a Disney trip for you. But <laughs> I guess I could rent an ECV and take that around the uh, World Showcase. I just have to put my empties in the basket. That's that's the only rule. Baller move. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see here. So, Dan, what is your ideal solo trip? This question actually hits me at uh, what is kind of personal weak spot in terms of how I have planning ruins Disney parks for me mainly. And I, and I understand that, you know, you have to have a, you don't have to, it's best to have some kind of a strategy and it's best all all those things. But I'm at a point where like, I kind of have that in the background of my brain and I can engage with that when I want to, but I also have the kind of brain where if I engage too much, it can ruin my day. So if I, you know, if I think in terms of like, I'm going to do this first and then go there and then that's going to happen. That is actually how my day becomes not fun for me. So really my answer is I step outside of my own way and that is harder than it sounds, or maybe it's as hard as it sounds. <laughs> Step out of my own way and just kind of let the thing happen to me. Yeah, I would probably still start with Pirates of the Carib- Caribbean because conceptually speaking, Pirates of the Caribbean is the best way to start your day at a Disney park. You might not have you might not have expressed this opinion on the show. <laughs> would you like I, to explain I, that real quick? So I I kind of it's kind of a half joke for me because like I I do actually believe this, but if I'm with a group of people, they're like, no, we want to go on Space Mountain first to be like, fine, I don't care. But I have found that, and this is something I discovered, I think, really young, and I think that's probably why it's it's kind of like the nostalgia thing with, you know, Ryan, that awful land that he likes so much. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's more like you start off in a setting that is somewhat adjacent to the real world. And then you go literally down a few transitions into this new fantasy atmosphere that is also highly, highly themed and like one of the best rides. So it's like, it kind of just, it's like, for me, it's the best way to get my brain to go like, I'm at a Disney park now, you know, and it flips the switch for you. It flips the switch for me. And I think I, it does it in su- in, it does it so thoroughly that I can't imagine that it wouldn't for others. But again, I'm not going to ruin anyone else's time if I'm going with people. I'll be like, no, <laughs> you know, like there's no way for Rise of the Resistance. No, we're going on Pirates right now. I'm not that person, but I could see how people might think I am. So then from there, I, so I'm just kind of kind of cobble some things that I have had happen that I think end up making that get out of your own way day 
really wonderful. So like, let's say I get out of, out of Pirates of the Caribbean and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go over to Haunted Mansion because those two are conceptually tied. And in case you haven't noticed, I'm into conceptual stuff. And on my way over there, something happens. Maybe the mansion broke down and then some other opportunity presents itself. Like maybe the Mark Twain is just pulling up and I'm like, haha, I'm going to be that person that goes on the Mark Twain second, right? 8.15 in the morning, <laughs> which I've done many times. And Stand then there with your coffee next right. to the captain because there's nobody else there. Yeah. And maybe I see someone writing the Mark Twain for their first time and maybe they aren't inclined to write it. And they're angry at their parents or something because they, sh- they would rather be going on Space Mountain. And somewhere about halfway through the trip, you see them just even physically loosen up and they're like oh this is this is kind of cool they might not say it but you can see it happen you know or you I, you run into this group of people who are from like germany which is some something that happened and they just at they just happen to ask a certain question and i just happen to be able to give them just download all the important stuff in my brain into there. It's not the unimportant stuff like the pirates, of the Caribbean thing, but the like, here's how you do a virtual queue. Oh, you didn't know about a virtual queue, you know, like being able. And then like, and then maybe I get back in my own way and I'm like, I got to go to space mountain right now. Uh, there's only 20 minute line. <laughs> I don't even really care about it, but I gotta go, 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 go. And then halfway over there. And this has happened before that little quieter voice in my head goes, Hey, the ice cream shop just opened up on main street. And I wonder if I can find a spot on that porch. And sure enough, you get some ice cream, go to the porch. It's not, or say I go to the lamplight bar later in the day, the one outside, that's kind of cool. And I mean, I'm usually, you know, single guy drinking alone can look kind of weird sometimes, but sometimes you make friends. And on this trip, on this trip, I make friends, not like for the rest of the day, but just like, they don't treat you like a weirdo that's solo and drinking by himself, which appears appears problematic, but like, you know, you meet people who are, who are funny and have interesting takes on things and, and then again, you're not like, hey, let's hang out the rest of this. It's like, okay, that was just another thing. I'm going to go see what else happens. And in my scenario, it's Christmas because even though I don't care for the holiday of Christmas, I love it in the parks. I didn't until this past year. And I could go see Viva Navidad like twice in one day <laughs> because I genuinely love that. And I wouldn't see it twice in one day unless I had already let go of that plan. So answer is kind of a non-answer to the question, but it's also as personal and as honest of an answer that I can give. No, I think that's an actual answer. Be- having it, being spontaneous and adaptable. And, Hold on, and- wait, David, we can't be spontaneous. I have to toss it to you. Let's toss it to David. Go ahead. Sorry. Thank okay. you. I will take it. <laughs> and I'll respond by saying, I think, thank that, you. I th- I th- <laughs> as we've <laughs> always done on this show. Yes. And, yes. Dan. And okay. <laughs> No, but I think like I think like being spontaneous and flexible and adaptable. I mean that is that's an ideal day. Like that it doesn't ideal day doesn't have to be written down in a journal and everything is down to the minute. I like you. I, I tend to find that kind of stresses me out a little bit. And especially if you have like, okay, I've got the goal. We want to do A, B, C, D, and E, and then things shift and someone has to stop for something and then, oh, we're behind time. That stresses me out. That's not much fun, right? I would describe 
there was one time I was driving to through Southern California and had just an ideal day. It was just me. I had a couple hours, and so I stopped in downtown Disney. I went to Ballast Point. I had a delicious beer. I had lunch. And then I just had a, I was just going to do a, stro- a stroll through the parks and ride a single ride. So I went through the Disneyland side and walked through every park. And I single rider the Millennium Falcon ride. And then I went into the DCA side. I walked through everything and I went on Grizzly and got soaked. <laughs> but, uh, and it was great. It was a perfect day. It wasn't, you know, would I, would I like to go on every ride? Sure. Would I like to have, you know, seen more things? But I had a couple hours and it was, it was great. I had a couple beverages and it was just nice not having a plan. And I realized that that's more of a luxury for people who live locally or who have annual passes and it's easy to go to the parks all the time. But even somebody who doesn't, you know, for the person for, I think for Ryan's friend who was going to go there for like a week, try to employ Dan's approach of just being adaptable, being flexible. Uh, I also enjoy like Dan and what you said, which was really caught upon like just talking to people and inter- interacting and engaging. I find that to be like a super fun underrated part of the park, whether it's in a line, whether you're sitting at lamplight, whether you're in a long queue, it just, it kind of breaks it up and it just adds, you know, it kind of adds to the overall experience. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, my nephews just this past weekend got me kind of interested in chess enough that I am like thinking about it. And it's, it's funny the musical, how like, right? y- y- yes, the musical, which then I love so much <laughs> that I got into the, the, the board game by oh. Milton Bradley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think that lack of plan, but also some kind of loose plan can be, there's probably an analogy, an analogy there of like, beginning game, middle game, and end game. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you go in completely blind, it's going to be overwhelming. But at the same time, if you go in with like this, wait, this thing happened that I couldn't have possibly planned for. Now my day's broken. I would say, I'd say invite that interruption and as use it as an opportunity to adapt and follow the fun as an improv coach that I've had before this really gotten me saying to people <laughs> well all right yeah that was supposed to be you i'm sorry eric that's, that's all right you, you make this mistake every once in a while on the show well I, we, yeah. we, I know and you know what i like is that we've doing this we've been doing this show for so many years together and every time episode i so 34 episode, that's right 34 years During episode 334 we <laughs> 34 years yeah <laughs> All right, All don't right. forget the millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We're two questions down here, which means we have reached our halfway point. If you are interested in what we have here, this great show that Dan and I have been doing for so many years. <laughs> 34. <laughs> Join us for our 35th anniversary live show at the uh, formerly uh, House of Blues. It's now a bowling alley. <laughs> Uh, we've got it we've got a room package at the Uh hojo yep yep we're gonna all pack around the bar we're gonna all pack around the bar because it's not it's open bar seating and we don't want to make reservations right right and uh yeah just use the code uh uh, hub crawl hojo uh, when you make your reservations and you'll get twelve dollars (laughs) off the parking (laughs) the parking at the hojo (laughs) <laughs> uh, at the BART station down the street. Yes. If you like whatever is happening here tonight, please go to thehubcrawl.com slash support. 
please throw us a few dollars and you can get access to so many things, including a bonus question that will make this episode even longer. You will get access to a bonus question every episode, in fact, that always makes the episode longer. That's how it works. And you could join our Discord chat where we talk about things and uh, mostly talk about the bonus questions. So you can ask questions to us. We can put them in the show. Usually ask the bonus question ahead of time in the chat and we'll read your answers here so you can join in the fun. Uh, we've got some good ones for this week. Just, uh, you know, give us a little bit of support. We we don't do sponsors around here. We just like to ask you people for money, beg you people for money. And that's how we've been around for so many, many years. Dan, take it from here. Hubcrawl.com slash 35 more years. 35 more years. <laughs> By the way, listener, if you're missing the, the shorter episodes with more concise answers, Tag's going to be back eventually. Eventually. Someday. <laughs> but Someday. also just play it at 1.75 speed and it'll be the same length. Right? Exactly. Can you do 1.75? You can. Oh, I've done every once in a while I do like one and a quarter accidentally. Like I bump my, my watch or something. I'm like, Dan's talking really fast this episode. What's going on? <laughs> well, Eric, I believe you were trying to toss it over to me, but guess what? I'm going to ask what question you have. So well, it's back to you. I was tossing it to you so Top that you potato. could toss it to me. That's, okay. that's how this, this works. Which local themed place from your childhood should be absorbed by the Disney parks. Ryan. All right. So I am from Colorado through and through. I've been in Colorado my entire life. So I was very, very tempted at first to go with Casa Bonita. <laughs> However, I, choice. I think Matt and Trey are doing just fine with that. So we'll let them keep it. So what I did end up choosing, though, was what was once envisioned as the Disneyland of the mountains, Heritage Square. So Heritage Square is in Golden, Colorado, or was in Golden, Colorado, I should say. The original name for it, actually, funny enough, was Magic Mountain, which for anybody in California, that might ring a bell. But originally it was designed to be, like I say, the the Disneyland of the mountains. You were going to have a Calvary Post, a Centennial City, kind of an Old West downtown type area, uh, fairgrounds, Forest River, a magic of industry area, and then like a storybook lane. So themed lands, it is kind of touted as the first expansion of a theme park outside of California. It was definitely very, very influenced by Disneyland. C.V. Wood's company is actually who designed it. Mm -hmm. Who's C.V. Wood? I don't know that we talked about him on the show before. (laughs) Yeah, if if you're not familiar with C.V. Wood, C.V. Wood uh, was the first person fired from Disneyland, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Notorious. And really instrumental in, you know, he... He was not the Disney ideal, but he was very instrumental in the beginning of Disneyland and getting it off the ground. And he was the Uh, first operations vice president. Thank you. I couldn't remember his title. I didn't want to get it wrong. (laughs) 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 But but yeah, so he designed what would go on to become Heritage Square. As a child, I went there a lot. They had twin Alpine slides. The first one that they built was the second Alpine slide in North America. The the architecture in Heritage Square was very Disneyland. It was a lot of that storybook 
architecture where it was forced perspective using CV would definitely used a lot of what he learned. There's even a train that went around the outside of heritage square. Looking back at pictures of it, it was dinky. I didn't remember how, how dinky it was just cause you know, childhood clouds, those sort of things. But I think it was really cool. I think it would be a great opportunity for, for Disney to come in and pick up the now abandoned land and make it something really, really amazing. Colorado has ha- always had a lot of themed spaces, whether it's Heritage Square, or Casa Bonita. We've had Elish Gardens. We've had there's still Santa's workshop down in uh, Colorado Springs that are very, all very highly, very oh, highly themed areas. Pikes, like on the way up Pikes Peak? It is. Along? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think it would be great to see it absorbed into the Disney sphere. Maybe use some of the old, oh, what was the ski resort that Walt was developing? Mountain King. Yeah, use some of the Mountain King uh, plans or something. Plus, selfishly, I want Disney in Colorado. So, so yeah, I think that would be a, a really great opportunity and would be really fun. Let's see here. Uh, Dan, how about you? Knott's, Knott's Berry Farm. I, this is something I said on uh, the Supreme Resort as a joke one time, and it just like planted itself in my brain. And it's they should do this, but they also shouldn't because I don't think they, they, they would be able to restrain themselves from turning it into another Disney park. I think that – so Knott's Berry Farm, in case you haven't been there, is – a really, really weird place with a ton of history. And Walter Knott and his wife Cordelia created this place that was basically around a fried chicken stand that became so popular that Walter Knott started to like collect buildings from the ghost town. And then like people started making rides around it. And it was all kind of themed to this ghost town aesthetic. And most of the buildings are actually from old ghost towns. And aside from that, the theme park itself kind of blows. (laughs) I mean, it has some interesting elements. It has a ride where you get to shoot coyotes with boysenberry jam. And that's delightful. There's some thrill rides there. I, I just feel like they could get away with doing some things in that environment that could be really interesting and cutting edge in terms of like, ride systems and like thrill ride kind of, they could go pure thrill ride if they want to try some things out and they wouldn't have to go like break the bank by making it a fully themed environment. While at the same time, I think they could take the pieces of knots that kind of have a half theme, like they have a boardwalk area and a roaring twenties area. That's kind of like you walk there, you're like, I guess, you know, (laughs) They can, through their imagineering and their ability to make a place, you know, gussy that up a little bit and make it a little bit more of what it's trying to be. And I think they could probably get the thing for like 15 bucks anyway. So why not? You know, it's it's a fun mental exercise for me to think like, okay, well, what if they did this and they kind of kept it knots, but they also kind of made it better, but also not too good. Like keep Snoopy there. Don't get Mickey involved. It would be an interesting thing to see them do. And, you know, they, they already have a bus route that will go there. I mean, Disney doesn't, but the city, the city does. It's not a far drive. It'd be a good extra thing for, like, 
maybe if your pass is blocked out at Disneyland for a day, you could not be blocked out there. I don't know. I just, I see it as a net positive for the company and for the people and for the park experience at Knott's itself. And it would leave Disneyland pretty much untouched, I think. Eric, no, David, the other one. Sorry, I think all white people are the same person. Uh, David, go ahead. Wow. Shots. Shocking. Shocking admission there. No, I think not to be pretty cool. Like you could, because it's far enough away, it wouldn't feel like it's part of the campus, but you could still enjoy it. You could still add some improvements and upgrades, like you were saying, without turning into Mickey Mouse, everything. The Boysenberry Festival is fun. That well, ride we that ride we went on it was super weird, but it was fun. Yeah. Well, and you get not scary <laughs> farm too. So you could you could do like a Disney budget and not scary. You could have actual I guess the analogy is it would be like a touchstone or dimension pictures versus uh yeah, yeah, Disney, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. So when I saw this question, I originally wished I, that I grew up in New Jersey because I would say action park. But oh. because I did <laughs> not grow up. Legendary action park. Dude, I. Class action dude, park. I would love to. Class action park. No, that documentary <laughs> is fantastic. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? People look on uh, HBO Max or just Max now. It is called Class Action Park, right? The yes. documentary? Yes. Yes. It's it's wild. Who who builds a water slide with a loop-de-loop in it? <laughs> which people, which were run by like <laughs> drunken teenagers and you get halfway through the loop and you fall and there are all sorts of injuries and just, ah, it sounds great. Honestly, like it, it, it sounds fun until <laughs> sure. I break a leg and then, you know, it's not as much fun. But since I did not grow up in Vernon, New Jersey, I grew up in Oakland, California. And so the park I would choose is Children's Fairyland. Children's Fairyland is an amusement park that was built in 1950. So it predates Disneyland. Some people have suggested it's the original Disneyland. And by some people, I mean me. Uh, it's one of the early themed amusement parks in the United States. It is very small. It is 10 acres. It's got play sets, small rides, animals. Uh, the park is home to the open story book puppet theater, which is the oldest continually operating puppet theater in the United States. The onlyest puppet theater in the United. Okay. Oldest continuously operating puppet theater in the United States. Uh, it awesome and terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> my kids loved it. It was great. Like growing up, I used to go there as a kid. I took my kids as a kid when they were kids. You cannot, if you were visiting, we could not visit it because it is for kids and you have to have a child. So we couldn't just adult theme out at children's fairyland. <laughs> It was recognized nationally for its value. It inspired uh, numerous towns in the 50s to create their own parks. Walt Disney himself, he touched the park. He toured it in 1950. And he sought ideas for what turned out to be Disneyland. He, in fact, hired the first director of Fairyland. Her name was Dorothy Maines to work at Disneyland as youth director which she continued to serve until 1972. So numerous artists have, have contributed exhibits, murals, puppetry, you know, sculptures to the park, including Frank Oz, who was an apprentice there. And they've got cute little attractions that are built for little kids. You know, the old lady in the shoe and Alice in Wonderland tunnel and Peter Rabbit's garden. And there's a pirate ship and a carousel and a petting zoo. And it's, it's quaint and it's lovely. And if we're Disney themed, then I wouldn't have to drive six hours to go to Disneyland. So, you know, you can fly, right? Wait, what? 
Yeah. No. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. You just fly out of like Oakland and just land it. I mean, there's three airports you could land in, but probably. But they, it's like uh, they run, but they, they, but they don't, the flights only run like once a week though. Well, I mean, there is that, but you could still, you could hit one of those. Okay. I'll look it up. Yeah. I'm also looking online and uh, Children's Fairyland does have magic keys for $3. Okay. <laughs> so let me, let me talk about, okay. So let's talk about, let me, let me talk. I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's talk about the magic key. So the magic key is not this like made up pass name. That's an annual pass for Disneyland. Magic key is basically this little plastic thing. It's you get, and it has a little cord and it come in different colors and you basically walk around and they have these little boxes and you take the plastic key and you put it in and you turn it and you hear a voice some of these are 50 years old and someone talks about the old lady in the shoe or someone talks about, you know, the Mad Hatter or whatever. And you go around and the kids have it for like an hour and they lose it and you buy another one. It's this great money-making idea. Super fun. It's super fun. And yes, it is. A, but it is a completely oh, different oh, magic game. Yes, it sounds just like I'm, I, I'm closing my eyes right now and I am in children's fairyland <laughs> and I'm just like pulling on the dragon's tongue and someone's playing that noise out of the box. You know, every fifth or sixth one doesn't work, but it's super fun. <laughs> are they are they as good and engaging as the laundry guy in knots? I can neither conf- confirm nor deny that he's entertaining. Dan, do you want to explain that? I forget his name. I think it's Hop Wing or so. I mean, it, it may as well be. It's what it's some come up with some very awful stereotypical Chinese name that someone in the 30s would come up with. That's the name. Yeah. And I would say the things that he says, but then we would probably get convicted of a hate crime. No, no, it's not like that. It's it's very quaint. It's it's timey. There's one of my favorite spots in the park. A friend of mine, he's got two small kids, so I gladly piggybacked on the opportunity to go to Children's Fairyland. And there's a little corner way in the back. They've got like a little Snow White and Seven Dwarfs like little tiny statutes, like way hidden in the back. And I'm just like, ah, good on you. A little trademark infringement right there, but maybe, uh, maybe the <laughs> copyright's lifting, but it's fun. That w- I would, if they did that, I would love it. How about, uh, Eric, how about you? Well, I, uh, I just think back to the classic themed places that I enjoyed as a child. And the two that are popping in my head this evening, are Haunted Trails and Western Trails, the two best mini golf courses on the south side of Chicago. Western Trails was down the street, basically. We could have walked there, but we weren't allowed because we would have had to cross two very, very, very big, dangerous streets, so we weren't allowed to walk there. But Western Trails was great. The whole course was just, well, Western-themed. There was a, uh, one of the holes was a teepee, and as you tend to see in a teepee that has a golf hole in the middle of it, there is a motor with a softball attached to it. And the, the motor would, would slowly drop the softball into the hole and then raise it up. So you had to time your shot to get it into the hole. There was a great one where they had this character that was a, 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 a kind of a Western hobo dog. And he was in the middle of this, this particular hole, there was there were a couple of hills, and then there was a trigger in the middle. And if you hit it right, this hobo dog was sitting was in a tub wearing his clothes, his his like uh, his overalls and and shirt and everything. 
and uh, and a big hat. And he was sitting in this tub with water. And if you hit the the trigger, he would spit water at you. And yeah, all the holes were were pretty great. They had Boot Hill, where there were there was literally just a pair of boots uh, on a on a turntable, and the boots would turn. And if you hit it just right, you get it through them. And if you didn't, they would kick your ball back out. Very fun stuff. Two courses there, uh, so great great times. This being the eighties, there was of course a fantastic arcade where you could play the Ninja Turtles game until you ran out of money. And your parents would say, didn't you even get the tickets? Do the ski ball. You get tickets then you can get a cheap eraser or something. Uh, it, it was a great time. Fantastic place. Haunted Trails was a little further away and um, it's still there. So Western Trails closed. It's now uh, also Western Trails was next door to a Brown's chicken. Fantastic fried chicken. If you're a South Sider. It, yeah. Now it's just a, a weird there's an apartment building and there's like a nail place and a subway. So uh, RIP Western trails, haunted trails is still there. Haunted trails was scary because they had like a uh, 20 foot tall Frankenstein's monster and basically the same sort of thing. They had, they had fun, fun golf courses, uh, mini golf courses that had, uh, that had classic movie monsters. They had a, a, a Dracula's castle as one of the holes. And eventually, uh, part of the reason they're still there is they they built like go karts and bumper cars and other things around the area. And of course, they also had an arcade. We didn't go there quite as much. I don't have as clear memories of the place, even though I remember going there as you know uh, an adult. But <laughs> Western Trails was it. Haunted Trails was great. Bring them back. Make them Disney. Uh, Disney does some pretty good mini golf courses, and I think we could fit in some characters. I think this segment, this question was really just tell us about a thing you remember and you liked when you were kids. <laughs> <laughs> and for Eric, it was the mini golf course where something spit at him. Yep. Got it. That was it. Check. Yeah. Well, what a great round of discussion, everybody. Let's move on to Ryan's question for our last of the evening. Ryan. Alrighty. So. Haunted Mansion has opened the door that Park Original IP can not only get one movie series, but in fact be rebooted as a whole nother series. With that in mind, which existing Park IP would you reboot? Uh, Ones that come to mind for me are Pirates seems to be the Johnny Depp version of Pirates seems to be dead enough that we could probably reboot it. Tower of Terror with the great Steve Gutenberg, uh, Country Bears, Jungle Cruise, I guess, could be rebooted. Mission to Mars or Tomorrowland. Uh, Dan, what's your pick? I forgot about Mission to Mars. Wow, that movie is weird. Well, it is not too soon to do uh, Jungle Cruise because they did not do Jungle Cruise right. Um, I'm sure it's an entertaining movie in its own right. But yes, it is a cruise. It's There's a boat. There's a jungle. However, what is missing to my mind is a sort of tribute to the um, the skippers because that's kind of what makes the Jungle Cruise the Jungle Cruise. I mean, of course, the environment and all that, but the 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 skippers are what makes it worth writing over and over again. And I think that there's a bunch of people that you could turn to 
to I, I'm envisioning this actually being like a TV show, like a, a, a Disney Plus series or something, where you get a bunch of improv actors. Uh, Paul of Tompkins comes to comes comes to mind, and they it's basically like the premise is you have this blowhard in the in uh, as Harrison Hightower who maybe like owns the company and he's like you gotta do the jungle thing and I'm <laughs> picturing him being played by Paul <laughs> Tompkins because he plays that character very well and then maybe like there's a more maybe maybe that character is like you know blowing up Thunder Mountain somewhere and we'll see that in a movie later and, and then like you have a more local authority figure in the form of uh, Dr. Albert Falls, who's just an idiot. And you have this bumbling ragtag team of like jungled adventure skippers who are, you know, always getting in trouble or always finding something to do that gets in the way of the thing that they're supposed to do. And it's just your standard TV comedy with, a you know, a, a boss that they can, you know, one boss that they hate another boss that they can trick and they just get into jungle trouble and there's different you know archetypes of characters that you could have with the skippers you know you can have like nervous people or you know people who you know are obsessed with being an adventurer there's there's i i feel like they all they did with that movie was they were just like i don't know pirates <laughs> and in so doing have you guys seen the mummy what a great movie <laughs> in so doing they missed really the heart of that attraction but so, dan your your idea is missing something well dwayne the rock johnson it's true R- rock the dwayne johnson is missing <laughs> from that idea but i'm sure he will still get work somewhere <laughs> uh david what do you think i really like your idea so this turned out to be a big, uh, not my most productive work day because I went down a rabbit hole. And so the movie I would do. So in 2002, the Country Bears movie came out. It is based upon, obviously, the beloved Disneyland attraction or former attraction, the Country Bears Jamboree. It's a story about hey, Barry. Hey, David, that still exists in Disney World. Okay, look, man. I don't know. I've not been there. How many times have I got to say it? I should put in the introduction. He's not been to Disney World. He's completely ignorant of anything outside of California. Just say it. I can live with it. I'll wear that badge. Anyway, so anyway, The Country Bears, is, it's this terrible movie. I usually am a completionist. So when, when we watch stuff for the MCU podcast, I'll watch those movies over and over again. I couldn't even make it through the entire trailer. And I just thought to myself, I had this moment where I was like, oh, how does Dan do this every month for scraping the vault? Because <laughs> I hated the trailer so much and I could just feel the well of anger rising in front of me. If I like, if I had to sit through this thing for 97 minutes, I would shoot myself in the head. Anyway, I have thought, okay, I can't. So I am thinking Disneyland, of course, because it's the best park in the world the country bears have been hibernation they're they're like somewhere deep within splash what was then splash mountain they're awakened with the construction of tiana's bayou adventure they they go to reclaim their territory and they confront the group that took their land winnie the pooh and it's like this big fight amongst themselves like the avengers but ultimately they team up to overthrow the humans that run the park so like think like planet of the apes but with bears right now (laughs) The other, then I started going down the road of like, okay, so is this going to be animated? 
I kind of am going down the like the live action, but with costumes, so sort of like cats, <laughs> because I think that at least one of the podcast hosts would really like that, right? Mm-hmm. Not on this, not on this, none of these four. Um, and then I went down the cast, and so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to create an opportunity for former Disney actors who no longer who are not working in the MCU anymore or star Wars or Disney movies to come invite them back, come back. Right. So Henry, he is the MC leader. He's the one with the raccoon in his hat, Edward Norton. Okay. Teddy Barra. That's mm-hmm. the bear that descends on a swing. So you need someone athletic and graceful Scarlett Johansson, right? Big Al. He's this big gray, like very iconic bear. Dave Bautista. <laughs> You've got liver lips, which is just like this bear with messy hair, and he's got full mouth features, committed relationship, kind of iconic as well. I'm thinking John Boyega. Trixie is this loud, large brown bear. She sings about breakups and drinks wine. I was originally going to say Liv Tyler, but <laughs> but she's coming back. So I was like, oh. Sings about breakups and drinks wine. It's Johnny Depp, right? Uh, Gomer is the piano player. He's the one that provides support for everyone. That's going to be Terrence Howard. And then lastly, Wendell, who is the hyperactive bear that plays the mandolin. He's seen in the parks. He's got like his song, I guess, is some sort of violence towards his brother. And that, of course, is going to be played by everyone's favorite national treasure, Nicolas Cage. So that is my... My new Country Bears Jamboree movie. Can can I plus up your idea a little bit? Yes, please. I think that rather than having costumed actors, which is a great touch, by the way, I think they should have actual bears and then make them talk using like the peanut butter method like they used to. I thought about that as well. Yeah. I thought about actual bears. It, it would be, yeah, it would be, and then I started going down the, the I, dude, I spent way too much time in this today. I was walking around. My head was racing. I thought of live bears. I thought that'd be a kind of fun touch. I'm kind of worried someone would get mauled. And then I went down the road of like cocaine country bears. I just, it was just, it was just a rabbit hole. Well, but hole. then, then you get that, you get the inverse like warning at the end or the, the disclaimer at the end, instead of no animals were harmed making this movie, it's no animals were harmed making this movie. However, <laughs> several cameras, <laughs> several cast members were murdered. <laughs> oh, completely. Right. And I love it. I love that. Yeah. So anyway, Eric, how about you? What what is your what is your uh your movie? What's your yeah, reboot? I, I should I should point out with your your idea, I mean, if we're being serious about a country bears thing, it, it almost has to be like they they attempted to do. I mean, the the one good thing about the country bears movie is that they have like it's it's basically puppetry. And I think you gotta go that route because they're they're old school animatronics and you want to, you want to have the same things, but I, I do like the idea of bringing the actual bears from country bear jamboree in, which is something they decided not to do for the movie. I don't understand. I also wouldn't mind like, like if you wanted to like sim- simulate the animation, like some sort of claymation stop movement kind of thing, I'd be down for that as well. Or, or like just you have the actual animatronics. Oh, there you go. Yes. Slowly moving. <laughs> uh, Okay, Tomorrowland. Now, oh. I, it, it is it is time for me to go on record and say I I actually like the the Clooney movie, the Brad it's, Bird Clooney movie. I enjoy it. 
when I thought of this question, I rewatched that movie and I, I it's good. It's, it's charming. It's got a fun, like the, at the end, you're like, oh man, I wish I, I wish this was real. Like it, it's it, a little heavy handed with yeah. the, like the whole, the world is ending and we're telling you the world is ending thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's, it's good. I found yeah. it to not be a terrible movie, but I was really sad the whole time because I felt like this movie, if this movie was a success, then this would be their reason for redoing Tomorrowland. And they did not make a movie that could have possibly been successful in this yeah. reality that we live in. Much to much to uh, Ryan's thankfulness, right? <laughs> Actually, funny take, and... I don't know. Do you think Tomorrowland would do better today because of the... No, 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 no. It would do worse. I don't want to bring bring too much, too many aspects of parts of my personality (laughs) over to this podcast, but... um, Well, this is year 34, right? We know you pretty well. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, around year 32, I decided not to talk politics on this podcast anymore, and I'm just going to stick with it. Fair. There you go. Very divisive our planet right now. It was, it was rough. Yes. It was a rough year for us. Yes. Okay. Well, if we're going to reboot, it, I mean, I wonder now that I'm thinking about the, the movie, is it possible? I, I mean, really what I, what I want to pitch is, is take the concept of new Tomorrowland from Walt Disney world in 1994 and it, make that, make that a, a give like go back to it double down you can retheme the parks back to it and you can make a movie now the whole point of the 1994 tomorrowland change was that there was a backstory everything had had a purpose the the people mover became the tomorrowland transit authority but yeah tomorrowland transit authority people mover carousel of progress i guess that still doesn't make sense maybe it's a just a, a quaint show about yesteryear <laughs> um, then, then you don't have to then you don't have to update it ever again no it's a um, memorial to walt disney there you go I, walt disney i that is i gotta say that is the one of the weirdest touches of that version of tomorrowland is they made no they made no effort to incorporate it into that environment other than no, it being they, like hey look at this museum thing and it right. was and it wasn't even like a hey welcome to, to the tomorrowland museum done but it's just like, okay, here's this old thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, everything, everything had a purpose, you know, space mountain was actually supposed to be a spaceport, you know, go and, and do that, make it a, go back to that theming and make a movie where you're exploring this, this place. I didn't put quite as much thought into it as, uh, David has done with, with casting and such, but yeah, like set set something in this particular world, and yet sure you you can have a slow speed chase on the uh, the people mover. There's a great scene where <laughs> it, maybe you don't want people leaving between cars. People died, but that was so Disneyland's. People. You said you but, hadn't you hadn't you said you hadn't thought about the the cast at all. So let me help you out. What type of character will Josh Gad play? Oh oh, Josh <laughs> Gad will be the uh, the robot that prints newspapers for you. There you go. Okay, yes. perfect. Yes, Perfect. absolutely. Which was a robot that existed, but didn't actually print newspapers. But that was one of the set pieces and is still there today. I mean, it it's just 
lean into a theme, pick something that would actually tie Tomorrowland together. And I liked the idea of having, having a, a community and you just walk in off main street and there you are. Sure. One of the things was a, uh, was a demonstration of a new, a, a new transportation technology where um, people got murdered by a vicious space bug thing in the extraterrestrial <laughs> encounter. But well, what I, what I liked about that element was that I, I, if you were to ask me if the company running that was evil or just very bad at communicating to humans, I wouldn't know which way to go on that. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, fair. Yeah. There was a certain amount of hubris and incompetence and yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, just, you could do that. You could redo Disneyland as well. You'd have to change some of the rides. We'd have to ditch Buzz Lightyear. Ride. Yeah. Probably laugh floor would have to go laugh floor. I mean, make, make them aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make them aliens or robots or something. It's yeah. an alien exhibition. Hey, come in. This is, this alien's a comedian. He'll, he'll tell you jokes. It, keep the same thing. It, there are things that you can do and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have to be ridiculously expensive. Uh, Buzz Lightyear, you could just change, make it not a toy ride. Make it something original or don't make it something original. Or Star Command is there, right? You you now have the the lore of Buzz Lightyear as an actual Star Command because of the movie, the Lightyear movie that no one remembers. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) There you go. Um, I watched most of that movie. And now I'm just talking about retheming Tomorrowland. Yeah, I was gonna say we got <laughs> we we got pretty far from the idea of a Tomorrowland movie. But, I mean, the movie could be could just be that it, it's an adventure that's happening in this Tomorrowland that exists as a as a place. So people see it and then they come to the park and they go, "Oh, it's the place from the movie," and it immediately connects, and you love it, and we love it. And in watching in watching the existing movie, that's what I wanted more of. I wanted mm. more time in Tomorrowland. I wanted more exploration of that space. You see Space Mountain in the background mm-hmm. of a couple of shots. And yeah, I wanted more exploration of Tomorrowland. And so I think that would be a great way to reboot it. Yeah, I think I I think I de- I should watch that movie again, because when I saw it the first time, it was paired with a double feature with Mad Max uh, Fury Road, oh, which <laughs> Wow, it's, that's the wrong order to watch. Like, you don't watch Fury Road first, and then tomorrow, maybe the other way around. A little tonal shift there, yeah. Maybe the other, the other way around, but uh, yeah. So I went in like with this feeling of like just stupid <laughs> optimism's dumb, but I, I trust. I trust that it's a, a good movie. I, I could see how it could have been. I should. I really should rewatch it. There's a uh, little known fact that Brad Bird, who directed this film and The Incredibles and Ratatouille, he was actually the first choice to direct Star Wars Episode Seven: Force Awakens, mm. but turned it down to do this film instead. I um, thought you were going to say he was the guitarist in Fury Road. <laughs> he, uh, he, played, he played the cymbals, but yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, who's next? Ryan. I think it's... I think Ryan. it's me. I think it's me. As much as I'm tempted to get into or to start the argument of whether or not Tower of Terror is actually a park specific IP, even though it has other IP in it in the Twilight Zone, but you can't replace the goot. <laughs> 
and and David's close personal friend, Steve Gutenberg. Okay. <laughs> I, he's on my phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to replace my, uh, well, maybe I'll bring back my close personal friend because I am going to reboot Pirates. I think the Don, the Johnny Depp Pirates is done. Uh, huh? You know. Why? <laughs> uh, myriad of reasons. Okay. You know, and I, I think, I think the the controversy aside, I think it's it, it served it's it sailed its course, right? So, I think looking at rebooting it, starting a new pirates, I would want to <laughs> oh, to hey, utilize hey, it's a picture of the goat. <laughs> hey, it's the goat on his phone. He's right. I would want to bring in um, Red as our main character. The internet will love that idea. By the way, oh, the the. They'll be so excited. Old, very beloved character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, everything but, she but does. But old red. It's not new red. It, it's. <laughs> oh, wow. Kidding. Of Johnny <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> Do tell. Go on. So it's no, a historical it's, drama then is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Okay. No, I would say, I would say take red, uh, have her be the captain of the ship. I think. I would cast Julianne Moore as kind of the the learned senior captain would be my choice. I, I don't necessarily need like a zany Johnny Depp type or a um, wash your mouth out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need that kind of pirate. I think Julianne Moore comes in as red um, and is your your kind of learned elder pirate. I think it'd be really fun to do a largely female crew around like some of the ladies we see chasing the pirates out of Tortuga. Um, kind of a, a role reversal idea. I don't want to take pirates of the Caribbean and just unplug Johnny Depp and his crew and plug in somebody else. But I think I think sw- switching the script a little bit and, and just doing a pirate adventure would be really fun. Maybe a little less supernaturally than, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is, but just more pirate fun. Your idea is making me think of something that I think would actually, I don't know that it could be made or would be made, but it would be such an entertaining and funny movie to watch if they did it well and with enough tongue in cheek and enough sincerity, like have this largely female crew, maybe like the upper crew is female and the rest of the crew, the, the dudes are just, the most like Reddit brained incel, like, weirdos. <laughs> oh, <yes. God. laughs> but not in a way that's like, you shouldn't, but just in a way that's like, so like the, 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 the female crew is just like, no, no, it, <laughs> it's not that it's this. It's not. That. <laughs> yeah. That would be fantastic. But, yeah. <laughs> Maybe their rival crew flies under the incel flag. Um, <laughs> I thought you, Dan. I thought you were going to say like the Ghostbusters remake, both pirates, right? Oh God! <laughs> oh. And I would have to give a cameo to my close personal friend, uh, Mister Gibbs. So he he would have to come back in a cameo function, literal cameo function. <laughs> Are you suggesting we can hire him to say a few things on screen? Maybe. I I have him on my phone. (laughs) There we go. I have someone on my phone, but I probably shouldn't play it. (laughs) Oh, no. We talked about that in episode 32. Is he totally totally innocent? 
Well, he did everything right. He just told you he did everything right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then something happened. <laughs> Interesting. Well. Again, after year 32, I'm not touching it. Uh, Dan, it's your line. This is all scripted, folks. Well, that does it for this episode of The Hub Crawl. Once again, we are we're 35 years strong, looking for another 35 years. Uh, Erica, I'd just like to take this time to thank you for hosting this podcast with me for the past 35 years. And it's my pleasure. And we'd also like to thank our guests. Where can people find you? Do you have anything you would like to plug? Ryan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, find find me on PunyPod. That's P-U-N-Y-P-O-D. It's a playoff of the Puny God line from Avengers. Um, oh. It is a Marvel rewatch podcast where every other episode is also Marvel news. So check us out on your podcatcher of choice. If you really like the length of this episode, then you are in for a treat. <laughs> so check us out there. I'm also on the Ears Up Discord. Um, I'm RGH. That's kind of where my public persona is i guess also all the puny pod socials so all right uh dan, before we get to david dan uh you've you've been such a delight for mm-hmm. these many low these many years yes uh, anything you'd like to plug from your i just hope life? people continue uh listening to our podcast uh the hub crawl and you could buy our 35th anniversary merch on t public <laughs> Remember, thirty. It's coral, so it's coral themed right. jewelry <laughs> or right? JPEGShirt.com. Shirts. Oh yeah, if anyone wants to buy a domain name, JPEGShirt.com is for sale. Uh, contact Tech. <laughs> oh, and if you enjoy this that you're hearing right now, <laughs> you can listen to. Oh, I don't know. There's the Scream Resort. You should probably be listening to that already because Eric's on it. Uh, scraping the vault where we watch terrible Disney sequels and every once in a while Dan Hates the Beatles comes out with uh, an episode wait and you hate the Beatles? yeah oh yeah <laughs> David and Tomorrowland apparently <laughs> David what would you like to plug? I probably can't do my OnlyFans page so but I'm good no I I, I co-host the uh, Puny Pod with Ryan and would definitely second all of Dan's recommendations in terms of other shows on the Ears Up Network yeah and you know what listen to super ego it's another good podcast i have nothing to do with uh so join us next time where we continue to talk about all things disney thanks everyone (laughs) 